0: IBUK Talk, the Insurance Business UK podcast. This episode is presented in partnership with Rantshaw. While Tech has allowed for more efficient ways of offering products to consumers, it can also go the other way and cause unforeseen setbacks for a business. But what causes this to occur and how can firms best introduce new technology and the change it brings? To discuss this and more, we are joined by Jeff Arnold, a best-selling author and the president of Rightshaw. Hello and welcome to the latest installment of IB Talk, the insurance industry podcast brought to you by Insurance Business. I am Mia Wallace, Senior News Editor at Insurance Business UK, and today we're going to be discussing the three stages of technology in the insurance industry. I'm delighted to be joined by none other than Jeff Arnold, a best-selling author, thought leader, and the president of the independent insurance agency, RightShaw. Many thanks for joining us here today, Jeff. Thank
1: you, Mia. I am so excited to unpack this and dig in and dive in. I've been looking forward to it ever since we got it on the calendar. So thanks so much.
0: Thanks so much to you too, Jeff. I must say that's a, a really impressive series of adages before your name there. And I must just ask to start us off, if you wouldn't mind telling me a, a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to at the moment.
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, busy like everyone, right? Uh, re- redefining what uh, uh, leadership and management means during COVID, right? <laughs> because I think anyone you talk to now is uh, uh, has to be impacted by COVID and how that impacted how you lead or manage or do anything. So, Mostly the answer to that question would be uh, redefining how we get things done, right? Um, other than that, uh, i been busy writing books. I was able to publish three books over the last, uh, well, since January, and it's it's a passion of mine. Um super engaged in it, and so that's the short answer as to uh, what's been happening.
0: Fantastic. And can you tell me about the books, their names, and, and what topics they cover?
1: Oh, love to. Yeah. So, um, well, I have uh, have to plug the bestseller, right? The, my bestsellers are uh, three of them, and that's uh, The Art of the Insurance Deal. Briefly, uh, so I don't put your listeners to sleep, uh, It's about buying and selling insurance companies and agencies, which we've done quite a few over the last several decades. Um, and then there was uh, How to Beat Your Insurance Company, which is a consumer-facing one that uh, really tells consumers the, the best way to buy insurance. Not so much beat your insurance company, but really get a good agent or here's some checklists on how to to purchase our products right. And the most recent is um, uh, Tech Forward, Tech Enabled, and Tech Shackled, right? Which i uh, love to talk about today because everyone listening uh, has been impacted by one or all three of those in their career.
0: Fantastic. And it really does sound like there's something for everybody between those three books, which is fantastic. And insure tech is a phrase that's been bandied about quite a lot these days, and it can be quite easy to become confused as to exactly what it entails. So, Jeff, what does insure tech mean to you?
1: That's perfect setup because it means so many different things to so many different people, right? And so, uh, a short summary from someone who's been in the space for three decades, right? It's the fusion or the intersection, the merging of technology in the insurance industry, right? But I would submit to, to anyone that would give me the time that uh, the insurance industry has always embraced technology and has always used technology, and in fact has always been an early adopter of technology. Um, just uh, just a quick summary. Uh, you, I'll just go back to the last quarter or half century, right? <laughs> so um, if you go back to the 1950s or 1960s, insurance companies were some of the first to uh, really aggregate people into big office pools. You see old pictures or old images. Those are typically of insurance companies for for uh, an increase in productivity. And if you think about typewriters, they were the first to buy banks of typewriters to push through our legal contracts, insurance policies. Um, fast forward to computers, fax machines, right? Insurance companies embraced, you know, rows and rows of fax machines to deliver policies and, and uh Uh, cancellation notices or language applications and then of course uh, always embraced the web-based platform right the portal how to issue policies and so I always say whenever I'm in front of a microphone that the insurance industry has always embraced technology only now do we have this really cool hip word this sexy word sorry called insure tech that everyone wants to banter about and raise that flag so uh I I love it. It gives us a brand new vibe, a coolness to hopefully attract younger talent to our industry because we we desperately need it.
0: It's really interesting you say that because a lot of conversations around insurance talk about it being very slow to move and not being particularly innovative. But when you take that longer term view, as you just did, you can see that that innovation has been part of the chemical makeup of the insurance industry since its inception.
1: I agree, and I like that word, chemical makeup. Right? It's a it's a part of our ethos. Every every person in the industry could tell you how they've adapted or used technology. It's just again now we have this really cool fancy word behind us. So,
0: no, it's absolutely right, and it's interesting. You mentioned that this has always been around because obviously there are always new innovations reaching the market, and ecosystem just shifts so quickly. And I wondered if you could just tell me about any of the new technology offerings that. You're working on as we move through Q4 2021? Sure.
1: So, in my firm, right, sure, we, we do business uh, in, in the States, right, in 42 states here, and then a couple of countries, Mexico and Canada, our neighbor to the north and to the south of us. And what we're focusing on now is really, I'm going to use the word fusing again, right? We're trying to fuse several different technologies together to what we say is the end of insurance shopping right? Because where, where our thought process is, is for decades now, uh, all over uh, ads or TV or billboards or whatever, consumers are being barraged by messages to just shop and save, right? Uh, 15 minutes will save you 15%. And if you're not shopping, you're not saving. And so what we're trying to do is be in what we call a blue ocean space, right? The red ocean space is where everyone's dropping lines and shop, shop, shop. We're pivoting to this blue ocean space, hopefully to be uh, you know a, a leader uh, in that in that space, and that is to help consumers end insurance shopping. So the technology we're leveraging is blending artificial intelligence, multivariate rating, predictive analytics, wrapping a bunch of algorithms about it, making several uh, assumptions of that you're going to be shopping soon, and why don't we do it for you so we can help be the end of insurance shopping for consumers. So it's a very long answer, but it's a lot of new technology. we got to wind together, ball up and package. And uh, uh, it it is fraught with a lot of restarts while we fine tune and perfect it. But uh, I just uh, am convinced that it's the future uh, and it's a way to get a lot of market share. And at the end of the day, it helps consumers.
0: No, that's fantastic. And it's really interesting. But as you move into that blue ocean space, which is obviously a very tech led process, and you really piqued my interest earlier when you mentioned tech forward, tech enabled, tech shackled. And I just wondered if you could tell me a little bit more about those free silos and what they mean for the companies that come up against them.
1: Yeah, and so uh, I enjoyed writing this book. That's one of my latest books, right? And I enjoyed writing it so much because <clears throat> I didn't have to look far for the content, right? <laughs> and I should submit to everyone listening that that it's really a primer, which is just a short subject. It's not a long, you know, 150-page book or anything. It's a really short, kind of a primer. Uh, and I was just able to look back over uh, my experience mostly and categorize. Catalog firms into three different ways they use tech. And it's really, as I came up with, kind of tech forward, tech enabled, and tech shackled. Um, And tech enabled firms, in my estimation and what I write about, are firms... Let's stick to the greatest uh, industry of all times, insurance. So we'll just focus on that subject matter, right? Um, and so tech-enabled firms are firms that use software as a service or third-party platforms to really enable them to do a process or deliver something faster to the consumer, right? So they enable themselves in their process um, to help consumers or to help customers uh vendors that are looking to pay bills or in third party people that they do business with. So that's in the tech enabled space. In the tech forward space, these are firms that are changing how we do things, right? They're blazing new trails, um, creating new paths and opportunities by either leveraging tech or building tech or combining ways of tech that, that we haven't done it before. Um, And most recently, that would really be kind of pay by mile or pay as you drive, right? That's some of that uh, technology has always been there, but they're refining it and making it really tech forward. And so that's when we talk about the tech forward space and tech shackled. Everyone has experienced a tech shackling where at at once a company uh, or vendor that you used to call was glorious and fantastic and awesome. And it was just superb in every way they conducted business, introduces a new software and the humans can't do anything, right? Because it's so software led and you just, you literally want to punch someone (laughs) for making the decision to adopt this technology that, that stopped all progress, right? And so tech shackled became um, such a buzzword in our firm because we do business with you know hundred plus insurance companies and every time they introduce sometimes a new software as a service or a new platform to make them tech enabled or tech forward it actually tech shackles them and so I spent a lot of time in the book talking about what leads up to this and uh, I suspect it's failure uh, like in any large project to get input, validation and feedback from the stakeholders. And that is the people using it. <clears throat> and sometimes in an effort to rush new technology through, you just want to get it out, right? Uh, or roll it out into the public, but you have to test along the way. And so uh, I spent a lot of time on Tech Shackled, sorry, but that's, that's it's what is binding our industry together to, to, to be against some of this uh, tech forward uh, and tech enabled thinking.
0: No, you're absolutely right. Is the, the tech shackled processes that people are coming up against, and that's where they're hitting the brick wall as well. And something tells me from what you were mentioning about the work that rightshaw is doing, that you're very much a tech forward company yourselves.
1: Thanks so much. We, we fancy ourselves that, right? <laughs> we think. Um, but here's what I tell executives when I'm talking uh, to insurance executives in roundtables that and I don't mean this disparaging, but I just, this is what I say. It's some kid somewhere is sitting in the basement of his parents' house, tinkering with the algorithms and the models of the insurance industry, and they, he or she is going to disrupt up in our, uh, how we offer insurance, right? We may not have thought of it yet, but um, I say that to make everyone uh, not stereotype. Youth or inexperience, but whether embrace it because there's something we can learn to challenge the old way of doing business, lest we become tech shackled ourselves in our thinking. So
0: fantastic. And from the response that you've had to your works, do you think that the industry, very generally speaking, is up for having those conversations and embracing the ways that it's going to need to move forward?
1: I believe, absolutely, certainly, without a doubt. Yes. Uh, This is uh, an industry full of open-minded executives um, who are are challenged everywhere they turn to improve, improve efficiencies, improve bottom lines, uh, re-recruit key talent and and staff. And so they have to be open to change. Um, And and every one of them that I talk to is. Uh, Change comes way too fast for you not to be. But yes, uh, everyone is trying to adopt new thinking. A new space in their brain for letting new ideas in.
0: That's brilliant. And I think uh, a big concern for a lot of companies is that when they're integrating technology, they they really are quite worried that the tech might end up missing the mark. And I just wondered, from your perspective, how can you tell that a certain technology is going to be different from other innovations that have been introduced?
1: I think the fastest way is the adoption rate. Right? So how fast everyone, um, migrates to it? I, I would say if you'll permit me a couple minutes sorry I won't get too long-winded I, I would say anytime you're introducing change into any organization be it the wonderful industry of insurance or even in your own household if you're trying to introduce change that there are really three phases uh, uh, or three distinct ways people react to it and it's important to know this anytime you're introducing change be it new technology or or, or anything and that is I typically lump people into three categories, right? The first are those who are really accepting and embrace change and they're moving on with it. They align with you. Let's go. I get the vision. Let's move forward. And, And that's really easy to get adoption there. The second one is kind of, I'm going to wait on the sidelines and see what happens. I'm not waving my flag in the Ford camp, and I'm not going to, you know, really get get behind not doing anything. I'm just on the sidelines, right? And the third is, and they're not bad; they're just slow to change. Those are the ones who are crossing their arms, going to dig their heels in, and prove to you all along the way why this was a dumb idea and why it didn't work. And so once you realize if you're part of a catalyst for change, that you're dealing with three subsets of people, quickly catalog those and focus on those that that might need the extra time to get to where you are. That really boils down to communication, uh, being very open for the critique and criticism of why they don't see it, but also uh, extending an olive branch. You're saying, look, work with me, try this. I'm happy for it to fail and you tell me I'm a failure, but I I don't have an option here. I have to move this forward. I need you on the boat with me, right? So hop in, let's go along. You can tell me everywhere along the way that it fails and you could be the mouthpiece for that, but I need you with me. Let's go. And so that's how I I deal with change. And I I think um, the faster we embrace that mentality, the more we'll be able to get people along with us whenever we integrate that or, or offer change.
0: That's brilliant. Whenever you have categories like that, I think essentially what it's coming down to is human behavior. And from your perspective, do you think people can change from one category to another, or do you think they tend to remain a little bit entrenched
1: Well, change is never easy for us, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, most humans are, are very, we're all very malleable. Our minds are open when when it's open and given right input and right data to, to come to a, a good decision. Doesn't mean it's decision agrees with everyone, but we're all very malleable and, and see if we're wrong, we can and adapt. And if we're right, uh, we can be sensitive to let other people come along with, uh, and join us.
0: That's really fantastic. And it's, sounds like an absolutely brilliant book and it sounds like it's got a lot of insights for the insurance sector as well and for people who would like to purchase a copy or to hear more of your insights on this subject. Is there a best way to do that?
1: Mia, thank you so much. So t- two ways. My personal website, which I would love to send you uh, newsletters every month and talk and get feedback from, and that's jeffarnold.com. And so it's jeffarnold.com. And then, of course, like everything uh, in most countries in the world, uh, the ubiquitous Amazon is where all my books are. So <laughs> amazon.uk.com.us, uh, <laughs> wherever, wherever you get your Amazon uh books. They're on there.
0: Fantastic. And do you have a LinkedIn presence for people who would like to connect with you directly?
1: I do. It's, uh, it's Jeffrey Arnold, um, uh, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y. Well,
0: thank you so much for your time and your insights, Jeff, and for speaking with us here today. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you so much, Mia. I've enjoyed this time so very much. Appreciate the offer.
0: I've really appreciated having you on here, and for everybody listening, many thanks for joining us. And I look forward to welcoming you back next time here on IB Talk. Thank you for listening to this episode of IB UK Talk. For more from Jeff and the team at right Shore, visit them at rightshore.com. Jeff's books can be found on Amazon, and to subscribe to his newsletter, you can visit jeffarnold.com. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts.